This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome to a Kawhi-centric Wednesday edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, we're recording this 7.30 East Coast time. Um, Kawhi, as of this moment, still hasn't uh, decided where he's going to play professional basketball. Uh, today has been a bad day, not just because Instagram and Facebook have been down all day, but um, we had videos of um, people monitoring his flight patterns and that person being uh, Kawhi Leonard and where he's been, what SUVs he's been riding in, very OJ and the white Bronco-ish. Um, Toronto fans all didn't go to work today. Um I, I guess they're just there's something about Kawhi Leonard where it's like sorry work's canceled until Kawhi decides. Um, all kinds of crazy stuff. I I have so many questions. I can't believe we're here with Kawhi. Um, but to kind of figure all of this out, I have longtime friend, NBA superstar reporter Yovan Bua of the Athletic. Yovan, good afternoon. How are you? I'm stressed, man. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, this is a stressful situation. Um, uh, you know, I, I've got three stories ready to go. Uh, I will only use one of them. <laughs> I'm going to make the, the, the necessary tweaks with, with each of them, but uh, this has been crazy. You know, like I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think Kawhi was going to be the first person to announce his free agency, but I, I didn't see it dragging out till July 4th, but that's really what we're looking at now. Unless it comes out in the next couple of hours. Like, this has just been insane. Um, you know, like you said today, what was crazy with the, you know, what, the monitoring his flight and, and, you know, that cameras, helicopters, and people at the hotel and people trying to blame Drake for it and saying he leaked it. And, um, you know, you, you have people, you have people from, you know, all sides leaking. Really, the Clippers have been the one side that hasn't really leaked anything. But, you know, you got Lakers saying the Raptors are leaking stuff. And then you got Raptors saying the Lakers are leaking stuff. So it's just been a, a huge mess. Um, well, let's talk I, about that. Like, why the leaking is so important, specifically with Kawhi Leonard. Because by all accounts, it seems like that's something he personally requested, right? That, like, you don't yeah. talk about any of this. 
Yeah, no, and, and it's something that, you know, like I, I know on my end, like the Clippers have gone radio silent and there's no, you know, people I normally interact with, talk with, stop responding to texts. And like the last few days, it's just been, you know, the second free agency started, even trying to talk about stuff with like, you know, they, they re-signed Pat Beverly, uh, they they signed Roddy Magruder, like the Clippers are have gone full radio silent. Uh, it seems like the Lakers and Raptors have not done it to that extent, but you know, but supposedly if there really is this loyalty test of silence, then you got to think they're at least trying to abide by that and not uh, disrespect Kawhi. But, um, you know, people are clearly leaking stuff because there's a bunch or people are making stuff up because you know, there's a bunch of stuff out there about how his, his meetings gone with magic and, and LeBron. And then obviously, you know, that there've been reports that he was meeting with the Raptors yesterday, but he clearly was meeting with them today. So, it's hard, like, you know, this to me just screams of Kawhi is someone who, you know, it's come out, uh, you know, it's come out before, but it's been mentioned a lot recently that he was someone who took a lot of time to decide on his college. and Ultimately, he picked SDSU because that was the first place, that, you know, the first big school that recruited him. Uh, but it took him a while to decide. And, you know, he had a bunch of Pac-10 uh, offers back then. It was a Pac-10. And, you know, he, he took really until the deadline to decide where he wanted to go. And so I don't think it should be a surprise necessarily, I guess, when you put it in that context that he's taking a while to decide. But, you know, I, I think he's someone who clearly has a private life, clearly doesn't like the media attention, the spotlight. He's taking his time deciding this. And you have all these people out there speculating, uh, spreading rumors, coming up with stuff, making stuff up. And it's like, this is kind of why he has that loyalty test and why he hates the media and why he, you know, doesn't he, why he has his private life because of stuff like this, or we've seen so much misinformation out there the last few days because we're not capable of just being quiet, letting him make his decision and then just going from there. It's like, we have to speculate. We have to have our takes on everything. And I just think it's been fascinating to see the news cycle with the whole Kawhi thing, because this is a guy who hates the, the spotlight as much as anybody yet there's been nothing but attention and, and media around him for the last few days. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's almost kind of naive from my perspective where I read about this kind of stuff and what um, his camp wants. It's like that's, that's not how um, the NBA specifically works anymore. Um, that's what they <laughs> they need. They love this. It's the reason that if you go on basketball Twitter, it's just been World War Three for the past like not even 48 what is it like 72 whatever however what day is it? it's wednesday right yeah it's wednesday yeah. so it's just been since last weekend nothing but non-stop news and people getting bought out and teams like deals falling through and then have getting deals reworked to make the cap sh- stuff work and all this other stuff this is like the new norm where this is going to keep happening and if he thinks he's going to la and it's just this kind of stuff's never going to pop up again and he's not going to be the center of attention and all kinds of other off the court stuff and just things getting out about certain guys and um, whether or not LeBron thinks that Kawhi is making him change too much or Kawhi is frustrated with AD missing a bunch of games. Like there, that stuff is going to pop up more and more if he ends up in the Lakers specifically. But like, I, I do think it's, it's almost kind of adorable that his camps one rule is like <laughs> no leaks and it's like he's the, maybe the best basketball player in the world and nothing else is going on in sports right now and all eyes are on him. And if you don't think with all these different teams in the fold that 
their stuff's not going to seep out and you're going to judge where his future should be based on whether or not or not maybe not based on but like have that be a heavily influencing factor is it's endearing and also just insane to me because I don't think that's realistic in asking teams where like they don't control all the people in there like they don't magic doesn't even work for the Lakers anymore and he's like in these meetings and doing stuff like how do you how do you control all of that in today's climate like control all the different people in your organization out of your organization to not leak stuff to all the different media reporters I I don't think it's realistic I don't think it's fair but I I do appreciate uh his camp's insistence on uh secrecy in uh 2019 it's pretty wild well and and the one thing we know like you know because there again there's been so much misinformation there's been so cross reporting on you know so much cross reporting on so many things that it's hard to like it's hard to have like a clear timeline of like what's actually gone on over the past few days the one thing we do know though is he did meet with Magic, and Magic leaked that because the LA Times, Brad Turner, uh, you know, went on Spectrum and uh, you know the, the Lakers channel and and kind of shared some of the details from that conversation. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't apply to Magic because Magic, you know, though he does kind of represent the Lakers, he's not part of the organization, so maybe Magic didn't have the same like loyalty thing. But I'm like. Like you're the you you know you just met with Kawhi and his uncle and you're coming out and leaking this to the LA Times. It's just to me like uh, I don't know like like you said. I mean it is a bit ridiculous to kind of have that type of loyalty test in a 2019 uh, media environment. But it's also like Magic just went and spilled the beans to the LA Times right away. So uh, you know I think is really if, if we're being honest here because uh, on the pod this week with uh, Simmons he was saying that he like knew basically their entire pitch to Kawhi from that meeting. So someone in that meeting has told multiple people everything the Lakers laid out and basically their counter argument to Kawhi against their, their crosstown rival, the Clippers. Like it's obviously gotten out everywhere. Like <laughs> I'm sure the clip, I mean, do you know, cause he's already met with the Clippers. Like, do you know anything about what happened in that pitch meeting? I don't. And that that's again to the Clippers, I guess, credit of they're not, they're just not responding and they're not leaking stuff. Um, Who would you bet you know, was in the been, meeting? Uh, I mean, I think Doc, Steve, and Jerry are the the sort of well, uh, Doc for sure. That's what it yeah. sounded like from what it kind of gotten out there. Um, but you know, Steve is if if you re- you know if you're looking at it from a Clippers perspective of a Clippers pitch, Steve Ballmer obviously is. Um, the the richest owner, the wealthiest owner in North American sports, and you know, the obvious ties to Microsoft and, and you know his connections in the tech world. You got Jerry West, who I think is unanimously considered the greatest exec, you know, basketball team executive of all time. And then you have Doc, who is a championship coach and is one of the most liked coaches of all time. Really, does not have many enemies with his former players. So. Um, I think those would be the three central figures that you got like the front office who I, I think has done a really nice job the last couple of years. So I do think the Clippers have a compelling pitch, but I would probably peg them third right now. If you're looking at like a power rankings of the Ooh. three, it does seem like the Lakers have all the momentum. I, I can't deny that. And I really think the longer this drags out, the worse it is for the Clippers because mm. the Clippers have really had the same pitch this entire time. And if, I mean, if anything, their pitch got better in April, you know, they made the playoffs, they played the Warriors, they took them to six 
games, you would think that improved their pitch, but that pitch hasn't really changed for almost what, you know, two, two and a half, two months now. Yeah. The, the Raptors pitch has gotten better. They won the title. They can now defend their championship. Kawhi, you know, it, it worked the whole load management thing. Uh, so I think really, if you're looking at the factors that have changed in the last two months, since the Clippers pitch probably reached its apex, the Raptors won the title and the Lakers ended up getting Anthony Davis and, and offloading all this, you know, this cap space to clear a third max. So I think to me, if you're just reading the tea leaves of sort of the, the basic nature of everything, the Clippers are probably, I mean, maybe they're not third, maybe they're second and it's between them and, and the Raptors or them and the Lakers. But you got to think right now, in my opinion, that there's another team in the lead that isn't the Clippers uh, just because, uh, I but mean, I, I think the Lakers. We don't know how we came out of that we, we meeting. Don't we don't know. Like, that's the thing is we're power ranking Kawhi's thought process here, and we know nothing about Kawhi. We know nothing well, about I, how I, I just think, so. If he was if he was sold on the Clippers, like, there isn't a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I think the Clippers situation is pretty straightforward. It's like, yeah. you know, this has been a, a team that has undergone a lot of change over the last few years, especially the last two. They've built this, you know, they're almost emulating the Spurs and, and you know Thunder in, in a lot of ways in terms of the way their front office operates, the way the organization operates. They're a very competent, well-run organization. They're not about the glitz and glamour. They're not about the star power. They're about you know blue collar, like you know put your hard hat on, let's go to work every day, let's do the right thing, let's uh, abide step by step, you, you know do the right process. That's the Clippers kind of pitch, and that's how they viewed Kawhi Leonard fitting in. But the truth is, like you just said, we don't know that much about this guy. And who knows? You know, maybe he looks at it, uh, the chance to, to team up with a you know Kawhi uh, with, with AD and LeBron, and it's like that's what I want. You know, I want like, Miami Heat no situation. on the Clippers. But, that's my guy. That's exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, the the truth is, like, I, I, what what's fascinating to me is, you know, there's going to be a fallout from this because this dragged so far into free agency that. Now he's going, to, he's going to go to, obviously, one of those three teams. And there's no mystery suitor anymore. Like, we, we know it's one of the three. And, if, you know, whichever team he picks, the other two are pretty screwed. Yeah. And I guess you could say the Lakers are the least screwed because they'll still have the 32 million in cap space. See, they'll probably overpay. The most screwed. There's no free agents left. There's nobody else that they can... Well, I, I, think, I think the Lakers, though, they'll still get, like... I think if, if, some, if, Dallas, if Dallas goes out and signs, Danny Green or Marcus Morris before this Kawhi situation is resolved, then I'll say the Lakers are really screwed. I don't think they're getting Green. Can Can they even offer what Dallas is going to offer him? uh, Well, so so Dallas has 22 million cap space, the Lakers have 32. So they Mm. can... I don't think they're giving that cap space to Danny Green, is what I'm saying. Like, even Uh, if they miss out on Kawhi, I don't think they're doing uh, it. Another guy no one's talked about really is Kelly Ray Jr., who, yes, he's restricted, but I think if you got his I think once you get into uh, like 15 million range with Kelly Oubre, I don't know if Phoenix is matching that. So um, I think he's another guy who no one's really talked about, but I think if he could be in that mix too. So I do think the La- well, I think the Lakers can get the wings. I think it's more the guards. If you look at the guards, yeah. Now DJ McConnell, DJ McConnell being gone is actually a big loss for the point guard market, uh, which which is kind of sad to say. Um, like I mean, I guess maybe Quinn Cook is in the mix for them. Uh, I mean, the Clippers re-signing Kennedy. Pat Bev is big for them because that was a target for the Lakers. Yeah. Like that made a lot of sense for them. Um, 
so it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening with, with I, to me, I'm more interested in the fallout, right? Because let's look at each situation. He goes to the Clippers. Well, okay, so the Lakers are going to immediately jump on Danny Green, Morris, Oubre, you know, whoever else is out there and try to get as many guys as quickly as possible. We're forgetting their main two, which I would go ahead and lock in right now. Future Lakers right here. Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith. Both of those guys are going to be on this Lakers roster next year. Yeah, and potentially Andre Iguodala, too. Yeah. Uh, You know, you got to think he's going to get bought out. It's just a matter of if he goes to the Lakers or not. But so outside of – so then you have Toronto, which it's like, is Toronto – like in the Clippers scenario, Toronto could sign and trade for Danilo Gallinari if they want to remain competitive. I think if they got Gallo back, they're still a playoff team. It might even be a still still be a playoff team without Kawhi, but we, we just how bad the bottom of the East is. But you know, they could get Gallo back. They could still be a um, you know competitive playoff team, and you know that's one path. And, and then another path is they completely tear it down, and then now you have guys like Marc Gasol and and Kyle Lowry on the trade market. Uh, Serge Ibaka, and they tear that whole thing down and build around Pascal Siakam and Enoji and Anobi. So you really have a lot of moving pieces here, uh, I think, where depending on what he does, you could see a, you know, a multitude of things happen that really shift the, the league's championship outlook. And, and that's why this is such a big deal. You know, it's not just, he's not just any star. You know, he's probably the best player in the league right now. And regard, you know, where he goes, that team, I think, is... An, arguably the championship favorite or maybe not the Clippers, but they'll be in the mix at least. Uh, but, and then where he doesn't go, it's, it's really going to screw those teams. So uh, this to me is so fascinating because it's, it's a game of musical chairs. And then two of those three teams are, are kind of be on the out, you know, kind of just screwed. I don't know a better way to put it. So I don't think they're screwed because ultimately when you mentioned that they're kind of building the Spurs and the Thunder kind of organization, the organizational structure, um, I look at it more of like the Nets in that I think that ultimately, yes, it will suck if they don't get Kawhi, but I, I mean, I love Shaman and SGA. I love Harrell. I love a lot of their young guys. I, I, I wrote about this like a, a month ago now, I guess, where I believe in the Shea Gildas Alexander, Landry Shamit backcourt more than I do the Trey Young, Kevin Herter. And like, that's got all the hype, but um, those two on the floor together, we like that. The shooting is just going to be there. Um, SGA is a lot better shooter than people give him credit for already. Um, I just think he's going to be a really awesome two-way player that's just going to be a Swiss Army knife for the Clippers for years to come. Um, and there's going to be another star that gets unhappy. If we've learned anything about this league in the last couple of years, it's that these guys like to move around, they get unhappy, they get antsy, and these windows only last for three to four years, generally speaking, at the absolute most. Someone's going to get upset. Someone's going to want out. Someone's going to want to have a change of scenery, and the Clippers will have even more years in cachet with those kind of guys because we learned from Kevin Durant and Kyrie that they were watching. They were watching this group be feisty. Like the Nets were, I feel like, Clippers East, where they snuck into the playoffs. People didn't think they were going to get there. Um, they came out of nothing, and you look at the assets that the Clippers had when Doc was running things versus where they're at now with picks and everything else. You're like, I don't know. I think they're. Nets West, and I understand there's a lot of parallels there anyway with the second team in New York, second team in LA, but like that's who I think they are. And I think eventually you just have to stay the course and believe that eventually one of these stars is going to take notice. And I think that's what's going to happen. So, like, even if they don't get Kawhi, yes, it's going to suck, but I would still be incredibly surprised 
if they don't get a superstar in the next two years, if they stay the course with this front office, this ownership group, their coach, these young guys, I just think eventually one of these stars who blossoms that may not even be a star yet, that then just like once out and we're like, oh, wow, the Clippers are just there and they have the assets, they have the, the pieces, they have this, that, and the other, and then they get them. So I, I don't think Clippers fans, if they don't get Kawhi, should go all doom and gloom because I do think they're eventually going to get someone. It just may not be the best player in basketball right now. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point right now because okay. so you bring up a good point because I think the reason why Clippers fans are gonna this one is gonna hurt them is because they were so linked to Kawhi for so long, and that's partially what I'm writing about. You know, with whichever story goes up, the Clippers have been linked to Kawhi really since last summer, and that was when the first kernels of Kawhi is interested in going to the Clippers. At the time, which people kind of forget, he was actually protected to go to the Lakers. You know, Woj had reported Kawhi wants to be a Laker. Yeah. He wants to join LeBron. And everyone forgets that. And, and you know, all season it was Toronto or the Clippers, Toronto or the Clippers. So it really should be no surprise that when he originally requested the trade, he wanted to go to the Lakers, not the Clippers. But he was okay with going to the Clippers. And over the season, they gained momentum. Basically, everyone you talk to around the league, um, you know, whether it was agents, front office people, media people, like they, everyone said he's going to the Clippers. Like, unless the Raptors win a title, he's going to the Clippers. Well, the Raptors won the title. So that's what's really put a lot of this uh, kind of in, in doubt. And then the Lakers entered the mix. They got AD. They got the cap space. So that's what's really made this in such a difficult situation to kind of predict. But for the Clippers, I think it was just that the way they've built their organization over the last couple of years, really the way they've, they've tried to brand themselves as the anti-Lakers, as this blue-collar, you know, hard-nosed organization, Kawhi theoretically fits all that. You know, he, he has never screamed as someone who would want to join a super team. He's never screamed as someone who does want the Lakers brand or that spotlight or that attention. And for him to kind of project himself as one way and for the Clippers to kind of think that they have the, the upper hand or the advantage because they're uh, appealing to those sensibilities. And then for him to kind of flip that, I think that would be you know, hurtful and painful for them. And that's, that's why I think it would be such a disaster for the Clippers if they don't get him. Now that said, Kawhi is obviously entitled to do whatever he wants. And just because you look a certain way publicly, doesn't mean you actually are that. And you know, again, if, if he really cares about the Lakers brand, if he cares about you know ensuring he's going to win multiple titles in the most competitive situation, that probably is the Lakers. You know, if we're just being honest here. So, I but I think the Clippers fans have attached themselves to Kawhi and the thought of losing out on him, especially the Lakers of all teams. Like really, if it was any other team, it, it could be the Charlotte Hornets swooping in or the Orlando Magic. Like. That would still hurt, but I don't think they'd care as much. The fact that it's the Lakers yeah. stepping in and taking their guy, I think that would be a lot uh, of pain and kind of grief for them to get over, uh, as dramatic as that sounds. Now, that said, you know, the, the free agent market next year is pretty trash. Like, right. Draymond Green is the best projected free agent. He might not even hit free agency. He might re-sign uh, with the Warriors or signing extension. And then outside of that, it's, it's Kyle well, Lowry. better hope so, so because I think the... Schlink is going to uh, back up the Brinks trip for uh, yeah man. no yeah. I think he's, I think he's going to have uh, multiple suitors I, I yeah. mean I, I think 
uh, especially and now with the kind of uncertainty with what's going on with Golden State moving forward. You uh, have to. You know, he, Once you lose Durant, you yeah, have to lock you, up Draymond. You, you just have to. So, you know, Dray, it, without Draymond, it's like Marcus Gasol, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, like really solid players, good players, borderline all-stars, but those aren't guys you're building your team around. And the Clippers, right. uh, which I've reported before, are they're, are very in the mode of if we're going to add a star, it needs to be a top 10, a top 12 type guy yep. who we can build a championship roster around. You know, like this is the team who traded away Blake Griffin after signing him to a five year deal. This is the team that traded away Tobias Harris, who was the best player and leading scorer uh, at the deadline because they didn't want to pay him the max. And, you know, the, the Clippers probably could have landed Jimmy Butler had they been willing to give him a four year max. He probably could have landed Al Horford if they were willing to give him a similar contract to what Philly gave him. They weren't willing to do that, uh, and, and really unless they got a promise from Kawhi, but even then I don't think they were thrilled about paying either of those guys, even as a number two. So I think for the Clippers, they're being very selective in how they build this roster and, and who they which invest smart. in. Which is smart. It is smart, but I think the problem is it, it limits your pool. So like that's where losing a guy like Kawhi really hurts because yeah. – like well that's the nba like that's just part of it there are five guys that matter uh, every year like this is one of their five guys and they had an opportunity to get two of the five guys were on the market this year and they both might go to that's like the the kd injury is the all-time what if now yeah it really is because it swings it swings the clippers it swings the lakers it swings the mix the nets the warriors the raptors like that kd thing really swings the whole league but like there's seven or eight teams that are in that certain you know orbit of impact of Katie's injury that it's incredible like it's gonna it, it's changing league history all right it's already done it this summer like I, I really think Katie would have gone to the Knicks had he not gotten injured I think mm. that whole situation would have been different from think you know multiple things I've heard so it, it's just crazy like it, it that thing really swung the NBA and um you know it's something I think we're gonna be talking about a decade from now of how things could have been different uh, as more information trickles out can I give you some hope and Clippers fans hope about uh, who might be an option for them and who I could see them eventually trading for? Because I think now free agency is over for them if they don't get Kawhi. Like, I think acquiring yeah, a top yeah. 10 to 15 guy, like, the, they can't rely on that and just plug them in with these young guys. Um, yeah. But they're going to be guys that come available, I think, in the next couple years. Not all these guys, but I'm going to list some names that I think it would not surprise me at all if they are a Clipper within two years. I think they'll get one of these guys. Jason okay. Tatum. There's a path to okay. Jason Tatum asking out. Like he was floated all year. He had a disastrous year for Celtics fans. Like you could see, you have to think about the narrative of what could happen here. The Celt, they already had the year from hell last year. If they don't get on, yeah. like now there's a lot more pressure on him. It's him and Jalen Brown's team. Like, and Kimba is a great like side addition and all that kind of stuff. But like they dangled him for a year and then he had to hear like okay maybe i'm not the guy and all this other stuff like you could easily see a scenario where he has kobe bryant in his ear like those guys are close and like <clears throat> there is 100 percent an avenue where jason tatum wants out in the next two years yeah i i could see that devin booker perfect answer here where like that dude reeks la you get him in you could talk yourself into like a james harden situation if you're los angeles where you're like we put him in our ecosystem we let him drop 40 a night. He's part one, and then we can eventually get another star to pair with Devin Booker. He seems like a kind of player that a lot of dudes around the league are like, that dude gets buckets, I'll play with him once he matures and gets older and starts playing a little bit better deep. But like, can you imagine him with Shea Gildas Alexander? Like, That's the perfect kind of guard dynamic that you want. Someone who could hide a lot of Devin Booker's 
at efficiencies, and that's what the Clippers are exceptional at with their role players. Um, I could see that yep. happening. The Suns, like, who knows with the Suns? You have the, the Thunder situation. Like, are we sure if they're going to avoid the luxury tax and they're going to trade Stephen Adams potentially? Um, and they flame out again in the playoffs. Like, are we sure Paul George and Russell Westbrook are long for that team? Like, I guess it depends on what you think about Paul George at this point. But like, that dude was in the MVP conversation for most of this year. It would not shock me if yeah. he became available. We know he likes LA. Like the Clippers, I would assume would get in on that. And then you have the 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 two that I think are not realistic, but I think they'll get in on if they ask out. Like Simmons, we'll see what happens in Philly. Does he take the five year max? We'll see. Um. I, I don't know. Like Philly's highly combustible right now. And then you have my favorite James Harden where like <laughs> if James Harden was just like, all right, I'm done playing the style. Like, you know, Dan Tony might be gone after this year. The Rockets might be a completely different team next year. And Maury may want to start over. I, it like, we know James Harden in LA. Like, I think if that happens, the Clippers get in line. Like, those guys could all come available by trade in the next two years, and I don't think that's outlandish. Am I crazy for suggesting that? But if I had to bet the top two most likely to be a Clipper in the next two years, it'd be Booker or Paul George. Um, no, I think I think you're I think you're in line. Like I, I think I think a couple of things. So one, there's almost you can almost make the argument that if the Lakers get Kawhi, as bad as that would be for the Clippers, it's just like all right, well the Lakers. Like literally, you know, financially cannot get any more stars. If Kawhi resigns in Toronto, the next available guy that is in contention for the Clippers is theoretically going to be in contention for the Lakers because the Lakers you got to think they're going to sign guys to one, two, and well, like, with the Lakers you can never assume anything, but like in theory that's what they're going to do. So the Lakers are still. Man, really go out and pitch themselves as the most attractive franchise, not just in the NBA, but possibly in sports. So the Lakers, like, this Lakers Clippers battling for free agents thing is not over yet. So I actually think if the Lakers somehow do pull off Kawhi, the Clippers can at least, you know, rest easy that the Lakers cannot get any more stars. Sure, the Lakers could trade one of their guys if it came to that, but like realistically, I think the Clippers would probably be in the driver's seat for, for the next big guy, like you just said. Now, as far as the guys you named, I think they're all realistic. My one guy I'd hesitate on might be Booker, hmm. um, just because of some of the character stuff. Like there has been a little chatter of like he does kind of like uh, you know like he's in that like the end like like that was even a thing. That just and it has sounded like even though he has a reputation as a very hard worker there's a little bit of that like nightlife like likes the pony type thing with him and, and I don't think the Clippers like I guess that was the only thing like, I just mentioned the Clippers are really pulling from a small pool of like the top 10 to 12 guys they're also narrowing that pool down in terms of if you have any character issues we don't want you so like that's why I thought he floated out that the, the Clippers were interested in DeMarcus Cousins. Like, I I couldn't disagree more with that. And I've had conversations with them about it. Like, DeMarcus Cousins is not a fit with the Clippers. It doesn't matter that if they miss out on Kawhi, they could give him, like, a one-year, $20 million deal. He's not a fit because he's not a fit, you know, culturally in that locker room. 
that is not the type of guy they want to bring in there. So right. Booker, I think there has been some speculation on kind of what type of guy he is. So I think he might be the one that I would maybe put in doubt. But the other guys like Harden, Paul George, I think those two are no-brainers. Uh, Tatum obviously has as much potential as any young player in the league. And then I forgot if you had, who else you had said um, outside oh, of that. I mean, but, uh, Harden, Simmons, Tatum, Booker, oh, Simmons, George. Yeah, Simmons. I think someone they have interest in too. So uh, I'm with you. I think the Clippers are going, and that's the thing. Like that, that's the bright side of this is that you know again, like they they have a bunch of assets. They, I think they have as many assets really as anybody in the league or close to it. And the next guy that comes available on the trade market, the Clippers can pounce. Yeah, it's just you, you, those opportunities don't always come around. And sometimes another team might step in or whatever. So, but they're going to come like, around. Is I guess my broader point. They will come. They will come around. They're, one of these guys are going to ask out. They're going to get unhappy. One of these teams are going to flame out. Like the Thunder are going to combust. The Celtics are going to combust. The Suns are just always combusting. Like you just, if we, it's just that's the nature of today's NBA. Like I think you should expect it. People are like, well, that you can't imagine all these guys asking out now because things are the way they are right now, but things change on a dime. Like, look at the, just what the Lakers are now, the Pelicans are now, with David Griffin after a month. Like, things change extremely quickly, and I I don't know. I, I think they're just, they're going to get there. They are going to figure this out, and they are going to land one of these fish. Unfortunately, they won't have the clean fit where you don't have to trade up any of your assets to get a top 10 guy, where they just walk into your building and you can surround them with all of your great young players that you've developed and your nice veteran signings and all that kind of stuff you are gonna have to do the hard way of like the okay we can we just the more complicated way the mellow way the dwight howard way the just where you have to give up a lot to get that guy and then you kind of have to hope that you have enough depth to still compete and contend and make it all worth it um that's probably where they're gonna have to go instead of the the alternative but i don't think that's a dire dire situation um i am just I don't know. I think I'm still very optimistic on where they're going, and I still think I wouldn't rule out them still getting Kawhi. We'll have to see, but um, I don't know. I, maybe the biggest thing for me is uh, the Lakers filling out the rest of this bench and even their starters with uh, those three. I Going into the offseason, my thing was, if I was the Lakers, if I was Rob Palenka, um, I would have built around LeBron and 80. That's fine, but I would have focused on one of the guards i wouldn't have focused on Kawhi. like obviously if you get Kawhi, you take him that's great but like i don't know like Kawhi plays 50 games next year lebron plays 50 80s never played a full season like depth is going to matter i don't obviously they're gonna be a playoff team but like in the west do you think they're a guaranteed top four seed if like all their big three all miss 20 plus games like that's really tough to survive with a, a bench as thin as theirs and then that's kind of why I don't like the fit of just the lack of shooting with those three and every, maybe we're overthinking having three top 10 players on one team. It just, it, it's basketball. That's how it works. But on the other end, I just, I don't know these guys break down, they get hurt and it would be great if they were all playing 82 games. I would be a bigger believer in that, but I, I would have been like, you know, I'm focusing on D'Angelo Russell. Like that's where I thought Russell was going is I would have been like, you know what? The reunion, LeBron likes him. We know he does. They talked a couple months ago. He's been impressed with this development. I like that kind of floor balance a little bit more. And I think you could have focused on JJ and brought in JJ and done, I mean, obviously D'Lo and JJ is uh, a backcourt from hell defensively, but like, I, I don't know. I, it's all complicated. I want to see how it looks, but I can't get over 
just something feeling off with that fit plus Kuzma and no guards. And, and that that's why I, I think that, you know, I think Howard Beck said it best. They won the AD trade, but they lost the negotiation. Mm. And you just got to think, like, honestly, if I were them, look, like, I get in, in theory the, the appeal of Kuzma. I like Kuzma. I think, to me, Kuzma's ideal role, like, I guess every fan base inherently overrates their players, especially their young guys, and they always see, like, the most rosy, optimistic, um, you know, outcome for them. Kuzma, to me, is not an all-star. Like, he's not a future all-star. I do not see any realistic scenario that he ever becomes an all-star, but to me, he's more of a Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford in, in a 6'10 body, and he's going to be, you know, a 28 to 30-minute, um, you know, forward off the bench who can give you 15 to 18 points a night, very similar to that Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford role. He's just a little bit bigger than those guys. I don't see, you know, so and that's probably going to be his fit on this team because, you know, Anthony Davis does not like to play center, so you got to think that well, that's going to be buggy. And LeBron, <laughs> and LeBron doesn't like to play four, so yeah. You know, ideally, you would go, uh, you know, obviously, I think at Kawhi, you probably want to go AD, LeBron, Kawhi uh, as your front court, but if they don't get Kawhi, you know, there's going to be some people saying AD, LeBron, Kuzma. Well, LeBron doesn't want to play the four. AD doesn't want to play the five, so you're probably going to have to get a actual center in there who's going to push those guys down. Um, but you know, Kuzma to me should be coming off the bench either way. I don't think he should be starting. But I think the, the Lakers really should have pushed harder to keep Josh Hart. I think Josh Hart, mm-hmm. you know, it, it projects to me his upside is like Danny Green. Like maybe he doesn't get to that level, but he has that perfect three. Like that is his role. Three and D's, a solid on-ball defender. A pretty decent shooter. Summer league legend. Uh, kind of fluctuates. Summer league legend. Uh, social media legend. You know, he has some pretty good tweets. Uh, I think that... <laughs> he has know, some pretty good tweets. Josh, Put that on his gravestone. Can, that's going to happen to somebody, by the way. Someone's getting pretty good tweets on will. their headstone at some point. I mean, jo- Joel Embiid is in the... You know, Joel Embiid and his Cantor. There's a few guys in the yeah. mix. But keeping Josh Hart to me was like... Like, you know, you saw all the picks they gave him. How, how could you not keep Josh Hart or... Or honestly, keep like Lonzo. Like keep Lonzo. I was gonna say, like, I may have kept you know, Lonzo. That I would have been like take. I, that uh, would have been a whole other, you know, scenario. Like I think we'd be looking at this much different if you, right. you said, okay, well they have the Lonzo, good defender, you know, point guard. You know, he has his flaws offensively, but like you at least have that foundational guard. Right now, they literally don't have a guard. I mean, they have Troy Daniels, who's like a third string, you know, two point five string. Guard. They didn't even and keep Bullock. Who they traded guard. for last year, like that was, and they had his yeah. bird rights, and they didn't keep Bullock. And he got, I ended... he got the bag from New York. That was yeah. a lot of money. That was, but like I, I don't know. I think you're right in that they should have kept one of the guards, either Hart or Lonzo, and been like, please just take Kuzma, because from a fit perspective, if you thought you were getting AD, like there's just no reason, because like you said, AD wants to play the four, and LeBron wants to play the three, like. There was just the, the minutes aren't there to make it worthwhile for Kuzma, and you can't live with him at the five. But you saw the numbers there; it was terrible. Like he can't survive at the five. So at that point, you just have to think from a basketball standpoint, this doesn't work. So like David Griffin, can you? I know you have us over a barrel right now, but can you please let us keep Lonzo? Um, can we keep? Because that's what I would have done. I I think I would have been a lot more sold on the Lakers in 2019 had they kept Lonzo. Because I'm a big Lonzo guy still, and I think he's gonna be really good in New Orleans, but. 
him playing off ball with those guys and being able to just have less responsibility offensively um, would have been great. And also, wasn't the whole thing about hiring Jason Kidd primarily for working with Lonzo Ball? Wasn't that the, the little I think, anecdote? I think, I think the, that was, I think he was going to cover for his eventual uh, replacing of Frank Vogel. I think it was more of just like, a, yeah, he's going to help mentor Lonzo, but really we know within two years he's probably going to be the head coach. Which, by the way, Kawhi, that's another thing apparently that came out, is like he talked to LeBron about reservations of Vogel's offense and like his history in Indiana and Orlando. Of like, why do I want to play with this guy after playing with Nick Nurse last year and Greg Popovich? Like, I'm going to Frank Vogel. I'm leaving Nick Nurse for Frank Vogel. That's something you have to consider. Like, over Doc, what you're picking Frank Vogel over, and then you're like, well, he's really picking Jason Kidd. It's like, is that much better? Like, if Ty Lue was the coach, I could understand it. Like, I, I think Ty Lue is still pretty underrated, and, like, I would – that would make more sense. But, like, I don't know. I wouldn't get excited about either of those two situations. I don't know. I'm just not so in the Lakers yet. I, I still have, like, 93 other questions about this and how it's all going to go. They don't even have Kawhi yet. Yeah, no. And and I wondered – I guess the – you can always have a counter-argument or, like, a counterpoint and. I guess if you're looking at it for the Lakers, you would say, well, look, after they made the AD trade, who were they most closely linked to? It was Kemba Walker. It was Kyrie Irving. It was D'Angelo Russell. I think they thought they were probably going to get that lead guard yeah. and just ended up not working out that way. Uh, so, probably because they heard then, that Kawhi know, was Kawhi, real. Kawhi the mix. Yeah. No. So I, I think that, you know, that probably was how it kind of, kind of played out where they were like, all right, well, we're going to have some extra cap space, you know, enough to, to at least land D'Angelo, but potentially land Kemba or Kyrie at a discount. We'll, we'll be good with that. And then Kawhi became a reality and, and you know, was clearly interested in joining them. And they, they switched up, which, like, yeah, I mean, I'd rather have Kawhi than any of those guys. But it, it does, like, they, if you really look at the point guard market, there's not a starting point guard remaining. And they're gonna have to sign a starting point guard. So uh, maybe it's just well, a they're point gonna sign a point guard, like, not a starting worthy point well, guard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're gonna turn a point guard into a starting point guard. But like, yes. I like Quinn Cook. Like, I think if he signs elsewhere, that's a huge disaster for them. Uh, just because I like him as a shooter and a scorer, cheap check guy. Uh, but look, I think like it's it, me Napier, it, by it, the way, when he gets bought out by Minnesota. Like LeBron, remember that tweet from a couple of years ago? I don't know how he's yeah. like his. I could see Napier being the one. And he's actually good. I like Napier, but I like him as a no, guard, he's... not as a starter on a championship contender. But maybe he's like, you know what? He can be our Mario Chalmers. Maybe he sees a little Mario in him. Little Rio. Uh, he, LeBron needs a punching bag on the team. So he... <laughs> God. But, yeah. It's so weird. Um, can I, like, say, this is totally off the Lakers and Clippers stuff, because I think unless yeah, you have anything else. Yeah, we can move on. No, okay. I think I have a couple other quick hitters that I want to get to. Um, I can I talk myself into the Chicago Bulls. Um, as well, what are you talking yourself into? I like their five, and I was thinking about like I was comparing their future five versus the Hawks' future five, and I can't believe we're here, but I think I believe in their five more than the Hawks. I they suddenly have Otto Porter, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter, Colby White, and Zach Levine. I 
I really like that group, and suddenly they have depth. Like, I was looking at just different guys, and, like, I love the Sadoransky signing. I'm, I'm a big Sadoransky guy. Um, they're going to probably trade Chris Dunn, which is a good idea. Um, I'm still not a Zach Levine believer, but I think that's fine. Um, I like the Thad Young signing. Like, Luke Cornett, good flyer there. Like, suddenly the Bulls feel like a playoff team, and um, depending on what Colby White and uh, Laurie Market and Wendell Carter turn into, I don't know. I think that's, like, a sneaky future solid foundation that is going to be a just not a contender but just a really good team for like the next three to five years it's just like one of those things where it doesn't feel right happening in chicago like that market building this way it feels like a memphis grizzly situation almost but i i like it i've talked myself into the bulls building a solid foundation that um can win a lot of games for the, the foreseeable future maybe not starting this year but maybe in a year or two you are well. I guess I, I'm somewhere in the middle on them. Um, I was going through, uh, you know, I, I'm weird and I like to do like ranking exercises where I'll just like rank random things. And and for me, after the last couple of days of free agency, it was looking at you know all the rosters in the league and, and kind of doing my playoff teams and, and just ranking each conference one through fifteen. So I, I had the I had the Bulls tenth. I still think that. Um, as far as playoff teams in the East, I mean, the obvious ones are uh, Philly, Milwaukee, Toronto, with Kawhi. Even without, I still think they're a borderline playoff team. So I'd, I'd put them ahead of the Bulls uh, unless they tear it down. But Toronto, um, what, Brooklyn, Boston, Indiana. I like Miami now. I think, I think people are underwriting Jimmy Butler's impact on, like, Minnesota went from what, like a 31 team to a four seed before Jimmy's injury uh, and still made the playoffs with Jimmy and, and won a game against the Rockets in a matchup. They were pretty, uh, you know, pretty clearly overmatched in, uh, because of Jimmy. And then you saw the impact he came and had on Philly. There are a bunch of locker room concerns with him, but he did choose Miami, whereas he didn't really choose Minnesota or Philly. He was just traded into those situations. So, I'm a little similar to Kyrie. I'm a little more optimistic that he's going to be on better behavior in a situation he chose. Uh, but maybe not. We'll see. But I think Miami with, you know, just the upgrade of jo- like Josh Richardson to, to Jimmy, like maybe contract value wise into Josh Harrow because Harrow <laughs> summer league legend already yeah, Harrow. Love that stroke, dude, he's gigantic. And that dude's going to be a score. He's it's like, he, I don't know. He's white Devin Booker already. Like it, that happened really quickly. Yeah, uh, well, I would I would argue Kevin Herter is uh, white than Booker, but I don't uh, think so. Herter's a better defender than Booker ever will. Like Herter's, a, 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 uh, I I think Booker's a better shooter, and he's just like Herter is like a he's not a primary guy. Like Booker and Harrow have like I'm a league guard mindset, and Herter's like I'm gonna play with yeah. the offense mindset. So I they're a little bit different. They're wired differently. I, I, I was sort of I was sort of making a solo joke because he he loves Herter so much. Does um, he? And it's it's. It's fine. Yeah, well, I don't know if you listen to the Rosillo yes. spot, but he's always he's always bringing him up as like, oh yeah, he's worth the max. Like, oh yeah, future MVP Kevin Herter. Like, he's always throwing in little jokes in there about Herter. I mean, but, I like Herter too. Um, yeah, but I, no, yeah, I, I I think he he's you know, and I know the the Clippers. I, I think kind of regret not drafting him. You know, uh, that, that was some someone they had 
uh, in that twelve. They're fine. They got Landry Shamit and uh, Shea Gildas Alexander. <laughs> I, I Shamit, man, I'm 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 very much a big proponent of Landry Shamit and SGA as you. I am too. Uh, but no, I also I like Winslow that, that, being their league point guard now, depending on what happens with Dragic. Yeah. But dude, if they're running so, so Winslow, I, I did... Jimmy, and Harrow, oh, <laughs> I am in. Suddenly, Miami league pass favorite for me. My, no, my so my Miami's in there. I think is like a six seven seed, uh, yeah. and then I would still put uh, Orlando, kind of sad, Orlando, Detroit above Chicago. But mm. I, I don't love that. Like I could see Chicago, I guess, being. I think to me their upside is probably an eight seed, and their downside is like the eleven seed. Like they're somewhere in that range. Um, I have them as a ten seed, but I, I think you can make the argument they're somewhere in eight through 11 the bottom four in the east i think are set and um i have a random question for you that i've been thinking about when i did this exercise is charlotte now the worst team in the league because i kind of think they are and i think the only team you could compare that that might be worse is memphis i think charlotte and memphis is now clearly the two worst teams in the league can i tell you my answer is either of them who do you think is worse the wizards see i i because I don't think Beal is going to stay healthy for 82 games, and if they every game that Bradley Beal is not on the okay, floor, yeah. it's unbelievable what they're going to trot out. I, I guess to, to me, I, I I feel like that team is what Charlotte is. Like Charlotte, like their three best players are Terry Rozier, who you know I think got exposed last season as like a slightly above average backup point guard. Yeah, uh, Mar- like Marvin Williams and Nicholas Batum, like those are the, those are like they, they lost NBA players. Best, they lost the two best players. I mean, Miles they Bridges. They lost I'm Jeremy Lamb and Kemba Walker. I, I mean, Miles Bridges might be in there, Malik Monk, but like that's look, a re- they like suck. to me. They, Don't get me wrong. The Charlotte's going to suck. <laughs> they are going to absolutely fucking suck. However, Washington <laughs> okay. has to get like forty-five minutes a game from Bradley Beal to have a chance in any game. Like it's. Yeah, they're Smith. starting Ish Smith. Jordan McRae is going to get some minutes to Jamario Jones. There is Isaiah Thomas, Thomas out in the mix. Their starting power forward might be Jabari Parker. Or it's Rui Hachimura, the dude from Gonzaga. Troy Brown is their starting three. Thomas Bryant, they just paid a bunch of money to. Dwight Howard may never play. Like, I- you're right. I mean, no, you're right. Like, I, I guess that just comes down to... so. Okay, so if I, if I tell you Beal plays 75 games, you think they're worse than Charlotte or better yes, than Charlotte? Yes, I think they're worse. I think there's Even a very, the, very okay. real shot they finish with the worst record in basketball this year. Okay. What about Memphis is pretty terrible, too. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it, it would actually like probably like go Memphis, Memphis second worst and then Charlotte third worst. I think Charlotte's going to be too competent, like in some ways. We're like, those dudes are just... It's going to be even more frustrating if you're a Charlotte fan because they're going to be just good enough to avoid the number one, number two pick. Like, they're just going to be good enough where... Yeah, I'm just like, how are they going to score? Like, I just don't... I just don't... Like, I'm, I'm like... That was the case you know, last year, I, I, even with Kimba. Like, that whole offense revolved around him. And this is, like, my biggest thing with Kimba that people are talking about. We're like... That dude's almost 30. He's played the same way for 15 years. He played the same way at UConn that he did at Charlotte. I remember talking to front office people um, in Charlotte about this. We're like, did you notice any difference with Kimba with James Borrego versus Kimba with Steve Clifford? 
Like, remember how no, it was going to be like he's is, playing with I the mean, Spurs and he's. I, mean, I, I, think he got, I think he got better, but that that doesn't you know his style of play didn't change. Right. He's a little more, a little more aggressive, but like he got better, but like the way he was used necessarily, I don't think changed that much. He's still a heavy usage ISO guy. Like that's still just what he likes doing. That's how it's worked for him forever. I just. I don't think you can change him. And I think Brad Stevens are going to like, they're going to try it again. But like, I, I just have some reservations about playing with Kimball Walker. And that's why I didn't want him in Dallas. I was like, dude, this is not something that it's not because I don't like him as a player, but like, I don't want him next to Luka Doncic, a young guy who's learning how to be a league ball handler and be a, a closer because guess who's not closing games anymore in Dallas. If Kimball Walker's on the floor, Luka Doncic. So like, I, I think it just depends. Like Jason Tatum and him are going to like fight for the ball and in the games. Like I thought the perfect spot for Kimba at this point in his career was LA. Like him with LeBron and those guys, yeah. like they're not going to allow that to happen. That they're like, they're going to be like, Kimba go over there. But guess who's not <laughs> telling Kimba to go over there is Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum. That's not happening. So Kimba's going to be closing games and I just can't wait for Boston fans to realize, Oh, this is a lot of ISO. Oh God. Last three minutes. Kimba Walker. Oh, he's not going to pass again. He's going to pull up. Okay, great. Knew that was coming. Um, hopefully, he just hits more than Kyrie did. But I do. You, I, do you I buy into this Boston's going to be better narrative? No, I'm not. I, I don't either. And and I think I think people who say that I actually agree that I could see Kemba being a better fit with that roster than Kyrie was, just because I think he's going to be more. Is, you know, like kind of joking around with him. Like he, I don't think he's as Maybe like I don't think he's as inherently ball dominant as Kyrie. Like I think he had to be that way in Charlotte, and he. I think he'll buy. But Kyrie's that. at least shown that I he think, can do that, right? Like Kyrie at least did that no, no, with LeBron. Kyrie can. You're right. You're right. Um, Kimba's never shown I, that. <laughs> that's a very good point. You're very right. I, I just think that the like. I think at the end of the day, one of the central things in Boston was Brad Stevens wanted to run his offense a certain way, and Kyrie was envisioning his LeBronless life in, in offense a certain way, and those two things kind of conflicted. And, well, guess and what? Kim is going to do the same thing. I, I just can't wait for Boston fans to realize he's going to do the same incredible. thing. I, I think he'll be more flexible than Kyrie was. I don't think... I, I think they're... Like, I think he's an alpha, but I think there's a different type of like Ky. I'll put it this way, I guess. I think Kyrie looks at LeBron and Steph and is like, "I'm as good as those dudes." I don't think Kyrie thinks he's as good. I think he think like I think he has the self awareness. Like I'm not at that. I'm really, really good. I don't think he looks at them at the same level. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think he looks at Jason Tatum like he looks at uh, Malik Monk. Go in the but corner I and I might pass him the ball. I don't think Kemba has anything to stand on. <laughs> to your point, you kind of just made like I don't think Kemba has any reason to think that way. Kyrie at least won a championship. He's been in the finals multiple times. Kyrie kind of had some juice behind the you know the the bravado and, and like kind of whatever he was saying in Boston. Like Kemba has nothing. He's made the playoffs what once, twice. Was has he even won a game? Like yeah. I, I I mean I, I just don't. I don't see what Kemba can kind of say to Boston that like Jason Tatum's gone further. 
Jason Tatum has been a better playoff performer than Kemba has, frankly. But 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 it's getting what I, the point I was trying to make was that you know even if you say that right, so let, let's let's just say hypothetically Kemba fits in great. He's a good soldier. He, he buys in. He fits in perfectly. He plays the Isaiah Thomas role. They're missing Al Horford. You can make the case Al Horford was their best player last season, mm-hmm. or at least their most important. And they're replacing him with Ennis Cantor. So now you're going from one of the best defensive big men in the league to one of the worst, if not the worst. And I just think that's going to be a huge drop off. And Dave Cantor is offensively, you know, we know he's going to have 16, 18, 20 points. We know he's a good screener. He's nowhere near the same passer as Al Horford. And he's definitely nowhere near the, the defender Al Horford is. I think that's going to be huge for Boston. I agree. I, I'm, I'm not buying the Boston stock, um, but I'm also not buying the Philly stock. I, I, I watched those games. I watched how important Jimmy Butler was and what he did for that team. And he's the reason that they almost won the NBA championship this year, because I think if they get by Toronto, I think they're in the same position to beat the Warriors. Like, I think that's happening. Um, I'm not a believer in Josh Richardson like that. I think he's an upgrade. Like if you were, if the new roster was, Josh Richardson just replacing JJ. I'm like, oh yeah, they're the favorite. And you still have Jimmy Butler and you have that group and you're like, oh God. Like that starting five is just both defensively scary and offensively scary. But I don't believe in that four down the stretch. I just I don't believe in the Simmons, Richardson, Tobias, Horford, Embiid mixture to close games, especially in the playoffs. I think they're gonna be a good regular season team, but I think there are gonna be real problems with that group. And then you look at Milwaukee having to make tough choices and move on from Brogdon, but pay George Hill and bring in Robin Lopez and pay Brooke Lopez. And um, I, I don't know. I think the East is like super jumbled and I, I don't even know who my favorite would be. If I really had to guess, I mean, all of it depends on what Kawhi does with Toronto, but like, I don't know. I think I'm at the point where like, I'm going to like Milwaukee less next season than I did this year. I'm going to like Philadelphia less next season than I did this year. There aren't many teams in the East. I look at that. I'm like, Oh, I like them more. It would only be the Nets, but the Nets don't have, um, they they just don't have Kevin Durant for a year, so it can't even be the Nets. So I'm just looking around at the East of like, who's coming out of here if Kawhi leaves? Because uh, we already Indiana. we just talked about Boston. I'm not a Boston believer. So you go down the list and you're like, well, somebody has to win the East. I just don't In know Indiana. who it is. Oladipo comes back and Indiana makes it. Oh my God. Uh, hey, I am buying all the, the Pacers stock in the world. And if you want to jump on this with me, Yovan, I will jump on the Pacers having a realistic shot at the NBA Finals with you. <sighs> yeah, it's, so I'm, I'm, what I'm going to disagree with, or you know, I, I, you didn't, I don't really know if I'm disagreeing with you or not, but I actually think Brooklyn is going to be better than people are, are saying. I've seen a lot of people already dismiss that. Like, I've seen it both ways. Or some people are like, "Oh, Brooklyn's a title contender." Like, I don't know about that. No, but I do think Brooklyn is going to be better than last season. And I think it's just, you know, similar to, uh, you know, not to keep bringing it back to Clippers. Uh, like you said earlier, there's a lot of parallels between the Clippers and the Nets. Like, just you know, looking at the way they are built, the way the organizations are being run, and I think the, the Clippers will actually probably be a little bit worse next season if they don't get Kawhi. Uh, just due to age and re- regression and decline, so like better. Blue and, and and Pat and the West is better. But if the Clippers are somehow better, I think the the thing you'd point to is the improvement of the young guys, most likely. And I think it's the same thing with with Brooklyn. Like Brooklyn is such a young roster that um, you know I think the 
Kyrie over D'Angelo is an upgrade. Uh, I think I think De- like D'Angelo is someone I'm still high on, but I think has been very overrated just because of the All Star status, and you know we, we just put so much weight on that, and now the, the whole framing of everything with him has changed. Where it went from he was a borderline bust to which I think was a, a bit extreme to now he's like this All Star like clear cut you know top two guy, which I, I don't agree with either. I think he's you know somewhere in the middle of that, probably more on the high side for him. But I just think D'Angelo to Kyrie is a significant upgrade. Um, I think Kyrie wants to be there. I think you're going to get good Kyrie uh, behavior for most of the time, if not all the time. And I think that roster is going to get better. Like you got a bunch of young dudes. You got uh, you know, Dinwiddie, Levert, uh, Jared Allen. Uh, like you know, you got Kerry Kittles, Harris, the Kenya Martin, Kerry Kittles. Kerry Kittles, Todd McCullough, Jason Collins, like there are a lot of good people. <laughs> They're bringing everybody back. And, uh, so Wait, hold on. I, Question. I, I, Would Kerry Kittle start at the two for the Lakers this year? Uh, Is he better than every remaining guard, yeah. even at his age at you might 23? Yeah. I, I will say for, for in the Lakers' defense um, of their six-man roster, uh, I, I did like the Jared Dudley signing. I think Jared W was a sneaky good signing, especially for the. I, I think he could have gotten more than the minimum. Um, you know, like I, I think he was worth probably the biannual exception, maybe even the room exception for for some teams. So the fact that he. Uh, what, what's interesting too is like the Kawhi stuff is really not only has it like stopped things for those three teams, it's kind of stopped free agency. Like you had the first flurry of. Well, of hold on. Raul Nuto Nato signed with uh, Philly as we were recording, so it's back on, sir. Okay, so, so Philly's not a fan of the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, like it, it's interesting because it's interesting because a bunch of teams have, you know, they still have these exceptions. They have the biannual. They have the room exception. They have the taxpayer. You know, not like every team has their own exception. And a lot of those teams have not used those exceptions, and it's kind of because of the client. I think, you know, you know, I was saying earlier the the fallout for the three teams directly, but you're also going to see, I think, a flurry of transactions that like have just been waiting basically to see, you know, who goes here, who goes here. Like this guy's gone, this guy's gone. All right, now we're signing a bunch of people. Um, so it's almost going to be like a second wave of free agency once Kawhi signs, which. Hopefully is tomorrow. I guess. Is that what your your guess is? Do you think he signs tomorrow or announces it tomorrow? I mean, I, it, it's always felt this is kind of a weird feeling, but it's always felt to me like an afternoon evening thing. Mm. I don't anticipate him like eleven a.m. being like I'm going here. Uh, so yeah, I guess I could see it tomorrow afternoon, but. Um, you got to think like what right now it is five thirty eight on the west coast, uh, so it's eight thirty eight on the east coast. You got to think he's not gonna like he, maybe ten o'clock east coast time is probably the latest he would not like. I don't know. It's quiet. We can't really predict it, but you got to think like realistically, if it comes out, it's not gonna be too late in the night. Or I don't know. It's quiet. Maybe he'll announce it at one in the morning. But um, I don't know. I, I think. I had to try to guess if he met with the Raptors today and has now met with all three teams. He takes maybe the next day to think about it. And tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, he announces it. Uh, and on July 4th, which could be symbolic, he, one way or the other, depending on where he goes. Okay. 
let's wrap up here. Um, I have three okay. things I have to I have to get off my chest, and then we're going to wrap up. Are you are you ready? Let's do it. Rapid fire. Um, Wiggins for Russell is happening. I think that's the prelude. Um, we're getting oh. mid season. That is one hundred percent happening. They're getting their new Harrison Barnes, the dude under contract for several years. Um, he's not going to ask to be the lead guy. He's going to be the fourth option on the Warriors. Uh, for the next couple of years. So just get ready for Andrew Wiggins and the Warriors and D'Angelo Russell back on the I, Timberwolves. Um, that I, is, I know. It's it's unbelievable that know, trades not, are, not, are possible. I'm not agreeing with you. I just think he's terrible. I agree. He is terrible. I but think he's, he's going to be a Warrior. DeMarcus Cousins is going to be a Hawk. I mean, I like that. I, I was I was actually just looking at the Hawks roster. Like, Losing Deadman? Like, he's basically Dwayne Dedman at this point. So, and Dedman signed with the Kings, and they they have a slot, and he, I, I think he'd actually be really good. He's from Alabama, um, signed up to a one-year deal. I actually think that'd be what you, good. What do you think about Miami? That's in Florida a little bit, too. Uh, I don't like that. I, I don't want DeMarcus Cousins and Jimmy Butler. On, I, I, I don't know. That that seems suspicious to me. I, that, but Boogie, Boogie in Miami? Yeah. I, I, I South Beach? Yeah, I don't. I don't like any of that. Um, the Pelicans are going to suck. Like all of this David Griffin hype, he's done a great job flipping that out roster. But like, there's playoff talk for them. They're going to be terrible. I'm, like, I'm with. I'm with you. Okay, maybe not two years from now. The Pelicans this year are going to be shit. Like that team is not going to come close to scoring enough to survive. They're just not. They're starting Zion and yeah. Derek Favors in 2019. Like a rookie and a big who can't shoot. That's just. You have Lonzo and well, Justin Holiday out there. Two bigs you can't choose. Right. If you're starting Lonzo, you might have three. Well, heck, if you're starting Lonzo, Ingram, and, and Drew Holiday, you have four non-shooters with Drew Holiday. Like, it's, it's not, not a pretty sight. not enough. It's just not going to happen. I, I just I don't think they're going to be good. I, I think and, and to be honest, I, I, I've, I might have more defensive concerns with them than anything. Like, it's not like, I mean, yes, Drew Holiday and Lonzo is arguably the best defensive backcourt in the league, but frankly, frontcourt defense is more important than backcourt defense and your ability to rotate on the back lines and protect the rim and all that stuff. And like, I like Derek Favors, but he's like a 25 to 28 minute a night game. And his backup is Jalil Okafor. And you have Okafor, then you have, uh, you know, Jackson Hayes, who's a, who's a rookie. You have yeah. Zion, who. As much as I like Zion's defensive potential, he's six foot six with a what six eleven wingspan, yeah. seven foot wingspan. Like it's not like he's going to be some crazy rim protector either. No. Uh, so I just look at the team. and I'm like, and then you know J- JJ has now become maybe their second most often you know important offensive player uh, behind Drew, second or third. And you look That's at him problem. and you're like, all right, he's going to have to play a lot, but he's six foot three, and you know. I think he's actually underrated defensively. People try to act like he's some type of sieve or something. Like, um, I hope I said that word correctly. Uh, I think he's he not. He, JJ tries, but he's not. A, he's not a plus defensively. So, especially now that he's gotten older and lost some quickness. So, yeah, no, I'm completely with you. Uh, I just went through the West, and I think I had them 12th, but 12th and 13th. Uh, Denver's Dallas is, is tough for me. Like on paper, Dallas has more talent with Porzingis and Luca, but I'm also like I don't love Dallas's depth, um, especially at wing. They, they are it is yeah. A, we'll we'll see what they do. They might land. 
they're the kids, you know, I think there's a chance they steal Danny Green or Marcus Morris. They have a lot of money to throw. Yeah. I mean, if they guys. get Danny Green, I think they're a playoff team. If Porzingis plays a lot of games, I think it depends on how many games Porzingis plays. But if Porzingis is healthy, they get Danny Green. I think that's enough. I, I do. So, so talk, talk, tell me where they're, where, where's the cutoff of, of where Dallas would be. So I have Houston one. I know some people are going to Utah. I have Wait, Houston you mean, like one. Houston number one in the West? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know people have Utah the invoke pick right now, but to me, I think Houston, look, like Houston came as close to, uh, Houston came as close to beating Golden State as anyone has uh, outside of obviously Cleveland and Toronto. Uh, I think they, and they're really the first team and really the only team I think that has successfully replicated Golden State's formula and actually beat them at it. And obviously they didn't win either in the last two years, but they took a two Golden State. And they had a competitive 13 game playoff series over two years. And I think with Golden State now really eliminated as a serious contender, like I don't see any reason why Houston can't be overall. Like yes, they might hate each other, but I, it worked for Kobe and Shaq, and as PJ Tucker said, they're not that level. So I'm, that's, I'm not going to go out and say they're the, the title favorite or, or the title lock. But if Houston can at least replicate last season's play, uh, I don't see why any reason why they can't be the best team in the West, at least in the regular season. Uh, but Houston, Utah, those teams I've clearly put ahead of Dallas. Uh, Lakers, I think you have to put pencil them in at least, unless they completely botch the rest of the roster. Nuggets, uh, Nuggets, Blazers, Blazers, um, yes, um, Thunder, Thunder. Uh, I like the. I I still think the Warriors are a playoff team. I yes, I am right there with you. Range. Yeah, but I think Steph's gonna go supernova, and, and just be Steph's gonna basically become James Harden. And well, you're closing in on where I think they are, which is Spursy area. The the, not the Blazers, the Clippers, the Kings. Yeah, so that area—that's uh, where they are at. I think I think the Clippers are probably be- better, but I think it, yeah, for me that eight seed is Clippers, Kings, Mavericks, Spurs. Like those, those are kind of the four teams in that mix. Yeah. And that's not the Pelicans. No, uh, not Timberwolves, not Suns, not Grizzlies. I would agree. So I think we're on the same page, but people, I've seen a lot of like Pelicans could get a playoff spot. I'm like, you're out of your fucking mind. It's not happening. So 2020 finals. Let's look at your forecast. It's just so hard without knowing where Kawhi is going to be. Even so, I'm, I'm going to say, so I'll say, uh, well, you're right. You're right. If Kawhi well, stays in okay, Toronto, well, well, I have but, Toronto going back. Well, Let's do, let's do it this way. There's three outcomes for Kawhi. Let's do each universe. What are, okay. So quickly, I'll say, so if he goes back to Toronto, I'll say Lakers-Raptors final. Well, I'm thinking the Lakers no matter what. Mm. I, I think, I just think, I like, like you were saying earlier, they might not even have enough to be a top four seed. Uh, but I just see, I'm like, even if the Lakers are the sixth seed, Give me LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a playoff series. Like I'm sorry, yeah. like like when those guys are playing 40 minutes a night, you know, barring a major injury to one of them, I'm going to take the team with LeBron and AD. And I will give Rob Plinka credit. 
Like the two signings they have made have both been shooters. And if he fills his team out with the proper shooting and kind of continues that trend, I think like you got to look at it similar to almost like a Cleveland where it's just like, you know, it's, it's LeBron, a bunch of role playing shooters and AD is, is basically a better Kevin Love. And if you have that, like, I think with the way the West is right now, um, you know, so I guess in all three universes, I would have probably the Lakers coming out of the West, and then Toronto gets him. It's Toronto, and the other two, I'd probably go. I guess Milwaukee. I like Milwaukee better. Than I'm out on Milwaukee. I think but, they missed the moment. That was their best shot, and I think they're losing Giannis in two years. I don't think they get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, or I think they are never going to be in the finals, which really sucks for Milwaukee and that fan base and everything else. But, um. I have Raptors. If the Raptors return, I mean, if uh, Kawhi returns to the Raptors, I have the Raptors versus the Rockets um, in that finals matchup for 2020. Because um, I also think the Rockets are going to do something. They're just too quiet. I, I'm just waiting for them to do something. We got a little bit of stuff with Jimmy Butler, but I think they're going to get in on somebody. Maybe Bradley Beal, maybe someone else. I, I don't know. I think they're just going to be active and go after someone. And they're going to sneak into somebody. Um if he goes to the Lakers, I think Lakers, um, Lakers, uh, then it's just the East is so weird. As I just talked about, I would probably go Lakers, Lakers, Pacers. I'm doing it. Lakers, Pacers. I think a healthy Victor Oladipo and just wow. really good players. Yeah. I think I, I know I, that's how crazy the East is. I, I think I would go Lakers, Pacers. Um, and then if he goes to the Clippers, I would go Clippers. And I would still probably lean. <sighs> yeah, I would I would go Clippers. Clippers Pacers again. But the only team that makes the most sense outside of the Pacers is the Sixers. The Sixers? Yeah. yeah. And so so what, you you agree that cuz I've seen this from people and you know, there's a lot of Lakers propaganda going on right now, so maybe that's kind of just what I've seen. But there's a lot of people saying that if Kawhi goes to the Clippers, they're not contenders, and I completely—that's not, that. yeah, I think that's just you add him to a 48 win team. That's like a 55 to 58 win team. They're a top three team in the West in the regular season, and they're definitely a contender. I would agree. Like we, we know, we know the Toronto recipe. We saw it last year. We know the Lakers would be a super team, even if they don't have a lot of depth. We've seen that in Miami. We've seen it even kind of in Golden State, though they had four guys, not three. Um, but the Clippers, you know, that, that, that's a bit of a more of an old school, like Dirk and Bitsy with the with the Mavericks type situation. Uh, but no, I you know, if you don't think uh, you're you're underrating the Clippers' talent, in my opinion. If you don't think they're a contender with Kawhi, I don't um, agree. But that—that's you know that's my last Clippers uh, take for the pod. I can't believe that I ended up with the Pacers. They just—I really love what they did this offseason. <laughs> I like that you talked yourself into the Pacers. I just—I like it. Man, when Victor Oladipo was healthy, so, and so just... what, what, what's your starting line for them? Because that's something I've been thinking about too. Uh, Oladipo's their lead guard, and you have to start Brogdon. Um, I think you have to yeah. start Brogdon. Um, the Sabonis Turner stuff is interesting. Like they're going to have to, I don't know if they can go the whole season starting them both. Um, we're going to have to see, 
but uh, let me see here. They have three TJs now, so that's a cool thing with TJ Warren, TJ Leaf, and then TJ McConnell. So Zach Lowe tweeted that out, which I very much appreciated. But it's probably TJ Warren, right? Like he has to start at the three, and then you go Sabonis at the four and Turner at the five. But I I don't know. They had Jeremy Lamb there. They have McDermott. Um, I just think one of the things that's important about the Pacers, and it kind of reminds me of the Raptors the last couple of years, is that every minute like all like every minute of pacer basketball will have five guys who know what they're doing and that's been the case with the raptors where like they don't really have just a a, a situation where like jonas derebko and like alfonso mckinney and guys like that have to come into the game and play significant minutes come playoff time like they just there's always going to be a good basketball player who knows his role on the Pacers floor, like Aaron Holiday to Jeremy Lamb to TJ McConnell to Doug McDermott to TJ Warren to Victor Oladipo to TJ Leaf to DeMontis Sabonis to Miles Turner. And it was Thad Young last year. It was this, it was Darren Collison and all this other stuff. But I just think they're going to be so smart. And all of it just depends on if Oladipo gets to the next level and how he comes back. And if he comes back the way that Kawhi kind of did, where like, I'm not saying Oladipo is the next Kawhi, but I think with his shooting and if that group can stay healthy and maybe do something else to kind of shore up um, that uh, wing depth a little bit, I that that's just a really, really good rotation. And that's just if Oladipo's averaging 35 and 5 and then like three steals a game, especially come playoff time, like we forget like what Oladipo did to LeBron two years ago by himself. He really pushed that Cavs team. Like, they were on the ropes yeah. for a little bit. Like, I don't well, think it's well, that don't, crazy. Don't forget my, my guy Bogdanovich. Right. Not, not my guy Bogdanovich. Hey, that's what Jeremy Lamb's going to do for them this year. Jeremy <laughs> Lamb, the new <laughs> Bogdanovich. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty high on the Pacers, and it would not surprise me if they have, uh, maybe not to the extent that the Raptors had this year with Kawhi, but, like, I could see that kind of year from Old Depot where it's like, People need to be ready for him to be in the MVP conversation and him averaging some crazy numbers on a really smart, good basketball team. Yeah. And uh, it could be headed for just what the NBA wants, a Utah-Indiana NBA. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, it brings us back to the 90s. I mean, they were there. uh, The Reggie Miller teams, the Mark Jackson, Chris Mullen, and Dale Davis, and who else was on those teams? Um, I don't remember now, but... um, I don't know. I, I, I'm a huge Victor Oladipo guy. I, I'm buying all of those stocks. I love that Nate McMillan's having the second life. I just think Kevin Pritchard's made good deal after good deal. Um, we're going to see, though. I mean, he only averaged 18 last year. His career high of averaging points per game is 17. So he has to get that number up. Like, that has to be higher. Yeah. And for them to get to the finals, he has to average closer to 30. And Candy, I don't know. Maybe. He was 23 in 2017, by the way. He was 23.1. So he was 23, 5, and 5 with 2.5 steals a game. I mean, he that, shot 37. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he gets the first team all NBA, it would not surprise me this year. He has well, okay. that in him. So what, one final question before my voice completely goes. Um, next time I, we talk, unless it's like later today, uh, what team will Kawhi be on? My roommates. I, I have a very strong Laker fan um, roommate, and him hearing this is just... 
I hate this, as you know, as a Clipper guy, the West Coast team for me. I think he's going to the Lakers. We're in agreement. They don't deserve I, it. I, I just I, hate that Palinka and this group is going <laughs> to stumble into LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. It, it, it's, it's Lakers exceptional. They can't help. They, they had a little six-year blimp, and uh, now they're they're back to they're back in business. It's uh, it's insane. You know, they uh, and now you know, like the, the the crazy thing for me is with, with that core, if they get those three, it's not just like like yes, it's probably on paper the best big three ever in terms of. You know, even for as good as Golden State was, it was two top ten guys, like two top five guys. And then, really, if you're being like super generous to Clay, you could maybe say he's like a fourteen, fifteen guy in terms of like best players. But like for me, I probably put him closer to twenty. So like you had maybe three, maybe four top twenty guys. But like this is straight up like three top seven guys at worst, probably top five or six. So. We've never seen that much talent on one roster, uh, but really it's going to set them up for the next decade or, or at least six or seven years where, you know, you're going to have the LeBron life of this big three, but then you're going to phase it out in, in you know two, three years where it's going to be 80 and Kawhi. And in two years from now, Kawhi will be 30, 80 will be, what, 28? And you have those two guys, you know, still in their prime theoretically. Like, that's scary. Like, you know, Kawhi, like, even the Warriors, the Warriors thing kind of passed us, you know, in five years, and it was a pretty quick thing, um, you know, quicker than I think we, we thought it would be, but 80 and Kawhi, like, they're 26 and 28, they're, they're going to be, you know, theoretically good for at least five to seven years each, you know, barring a major injury, so. Well, the good thing know. is they've been nothing but healthy. Um, <laughs> Oh, so that's obviously the caveat, but um, you know it's a scary sight. Like the the Lakers are set well, none of it's scary if they win a title. Like that's the whole thing is if they win a title, none of it matters when they're all gone and they've already got to the roster. It doesn't matter. Like nothing matters now except for just getting one title. If they get a title out of this, it's fine, and I don't think they care. And they can keep starting over because of Laker exceptionalism. Um, it's all annoying and it's frustrating, but we're not going to end it on that. We're going to end it on positive Pacer no, stuff yeah. because okay. Victor Oladipo. Yeah. On off per 100 possessions two years ago when he before the the injury from last year plus 14 per 100 possessions when he was on the his on off. How 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 do you feel about the, the hypothetical trade of Sabonis for Jalen Brown? That's what floated out there. Oh, absolutely! You do that like that's there. Then I'm not even like nervous about picking the Pacers to go to the finals. If you get Jalen Brown for Sabonis, oh my god, the value there. Yeah. Hell yes! Are you like you do that today? I don't know. If the Celtics did that, that would be just insane. But um, absolutely, if that's on the table, even if it's Miles Turner, absolutely today. What do we got to do to sign up there? Because wasn't he compared basically coming out of college in that first year as like young Paul George? My whole thing is like yeah. if Paul George had re-signed with the Pacers after last offseason instead of re- uh, signing back up long term with Westbrook, he chose the wrong Westbrook. Old Depot is the better version. I think, like, if you want to figure out whether or not someone's, like, watching basketball in 2019, ask them who's a better basketball player, Russell Westbrook or Victor Oladipo. Anyone who says Westbrook over Oladipo is just not watching 
anything. I, I don't know how you can still say something like that. Like Westbrook gets that kind of respect, but like who in their right mind would rather have Russell Westbrook than Victor Oladipo? He should have gone I, back I to Indy. Know. It would have been my favorite story. He goes back, he screws over OKC after tra- they traded the assets <laughs> for him, and then he plays with the better Westbrook. They're winning the East next year if they have Paul George and Victor Oladipo at 100%. That's winning the East if yeah. Kawhi's gone. Definitely. God. Can we make that happen? NBA, silver, whatever you got to do, step in. Or the Jalen Brown stuff. Oh, my God. If they're able to have Victor Oladipo and Jalen Brown for the next three to five years, whoo, they're going at least one finals. I do know that. All right, so folks, you heard it here first. Back up it. on the jazz Indiana. stuff and buy the indie stuff. I am all in on indie. See, this is like therapy for me. I've come to terms with the fact that I am now an Indiana homer. And a Bulls homer. Yes. Um, well, kind of. Like, Bulls homer in that, like, I think they're a dark horse playoff team and are kind of competent. And, like, I mean, Kobe White, so this was, like, a little nugget that I didn't mention in the pod, but it's in my notes. Um, he shot 73 NBA range three-pointers at UNC last year. He made 42% of those. NBA threes. That, uh, 42%. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a statistician, but uh, that sounds pretty good. For pretty a college kid? I like it. I don't know. Kobe White might be, might be good. And if he's a, he hits and he's a, a really good league guard, that's, they're in business with marketing. I like that floor bounce and a, a pro's pro and auto porter. Like I, I, just, I think they're doing some smart stuff. But they're no Indiana, I, I can say. They're no Indiana. But now you have me looking. I haven't seen the Jalen Brown Sabonis stuff. That, that would be wild. I, I think that might, that was just an NBA Twitter that like kind of picked up steam. I, oh, I it's on Reddit. There's a Jalen Brown for Demontis Sabonis. Who says no? <laughs> oh, uh, did KOC and Sharks talk about it? Maybe that's where it came from. That might be. Is that where? Yeah. Okay, then that. Huh. Maybe that that's where it. I don't know where it started. I just I'm seeing some stuff here about it, but that's that's wild. If the Celtics did that, then it's it's probably time for Danny Ainge to to move on. But um, that that works. All right, Yovan, we can read you at the Athletic, Los Angeles. We can listen to you on Clip City. We can uh, yeah, sure. find you everywhere on TV with Devin George, just all over the place. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. All well, right. Uh, Talking about Kawhi's next place. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's the Clippers. Fingers crossed. Let's make it happen. Yovan, thanks as always. Talk to you soon. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we will be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.